passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our Survivor Series post-show. I am John Pollock, along with a well-rested Mr. Waiting. Hello, Way. How are you? Well-rested. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing very well. How are you, John? Uh, I'm doing uh, I'm doing all right. I've, oh, uh, your, your voice sounds a bit still, uh, you know, so from last night. What happened? Well, I'm... I, I, I am fending off uh, multiple people in my, my house who have all been uh, taken ill over the past week. Like everyone but me has gotten like this crazy cough. So all three of them are just like coughing and coughing. I have been immune to this and it's it's starting to uh, to catch me. So I can feel it, but I'm good. I'm not I, I wouldn't classify myself as sick. It's more so that just my throat sounds a little off. But anyway, that's that's the health update. Are you feeling are you feeling good? I'm feeling good. Yeah, I'm feeling good. Um, again, well rested, and um, I I guess it I I should be happy that you um didn't knock when you dropped by my house this afternoon. <laughs> I um I thought that we had an interaction, and it turns out yeah you were unconscious when you did so. So I I was on my way to my parents' house today, and you're on the way. So I dropped off at your house, and I. I gave you a gift inside of your mailbox, and then I I texted you because I wanted to be uh you know I, I I don't know what your schedule is like, and it turned out you were asleep, so I'm really glad I did not uh, wake you up or anything. But I texted you. I said, "Hey, your coquito is in your mailbox," and within minutes, I get the the thumbs up response, a perfect acknowledgement that I have received your message. Didn't think about it again, and hours later. Way is, can you tell the story? Like I'm, I, so I, like, I am kind of curious how this all happened. Yeah, I, I just had a really late night last night and didn't go to sleep until like 9am. So I was out cold, you know, and then I, I woke up this afternoon, um, did some sort of chores around the house, rake some leaves, decided to check my mailbox. It's a Saturday, but you know what? Sometimes I might've forgotten something in there. And to my surprise, I find a, a, a bottled glass bottle, Coquito. Delivered from Newark, courtesy of Brandon from New Jersey, to Scarborough, to BMV. This has gone through many uh, – the, the chain of custody of these Coquitos has been vast. For this little drink. I mean, we really, we really should have just drank it like down in Newark. You know, like the, the, the amount of travel, the amount of miles on this little bottle that uh, Brandon, you know, gave has given to us. I mean, I, I'm sure it will be worth it. But nonetheless, this thing I find in my mailbox. I'm like, what the hell? When did John drop by? And then I check my texts. And I see 
our exchange. And I see that I've actually liked it. I'm like, what the fuck? When did I do this? Did my wife like grab my phone? Did she like this? So I approach her. I'm like, did, did you get, did you do this? <laughs> and she's like, no. That Oscar maybe is he's <laughs> advanced already. I had no recollection of this interaction. So, um, what, what if it was I like a, know. what if I had a horrible message to send you? Like, what if I was like, I, hey, I, I can't know. do the show tonight. I've, I've got strep throat. Cool. I, I feel like even unconsciously, I mean, I feel like I, I would be able to know whether or not to respond with a thumbs up or maybe a thumbs down, you know, or, or a sad face or something like that. So, so you don't, you don't remember any of like this actual, do, do you remember like none. taking the phone? And so this is no, like I an didn't. unconscious response. Completely. I didn't wow. know I could do that. That's very dangerous. I laughed out loud when you sent me your message like hours later and <laughs> explained <laughs> this to me. I was like, I'm glad you found it. I mean, that could have just been. <laughs> I mean, imagine. Yeah, it, like we talked about, like you know, th- these things sitting out, like in in the in the warmth, like you know, like what what if it just? I mean, you did text me, so you really did do your do 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 it properly. But yeah, anyway. So the coquito is now in your possession. Is it yes, in your fridge? It it's in my fridge. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having it. All right, uh, as am I. As am I. I've, I've a great thing. We we have built these things up. I I think we should just we should do it on air. We should do it on air. We should do it like maybe tomorrow night or something like for for raw. Uh well two nights two nights then do you want to do it two uh, nights oh shit I, it feels like Saturday it's Sunday. Anyway. It's Saturday. Yeah. okay we'll save it for Monday okay we'll do it at the end of Monday show if you okay. want to do that sounds good uh, tonight we're talking about the Survivor series and then at the end of the show uh, all patrons uh, that want to call in uh, we sent out the Streamyard link so towards the end of the review you can jump into the queue and we will be getting to calls as well as feedback and your super chats that you can leave if you are in the YouTube chat. And I do want to alert people that to get the, the exclusive video content of our, of our cafe feed, you can go to video.postwrestling.com. You can jump aboard there and that gives you a video version of our uh, cafe content. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Our uh, YouTube memberships is now available. Video.postwrestling.com. Also, if you prefer audio and if you prefer sticking to the Apple podcast platform, we are offering the Post Wrestling Cafe within apple podcast itself or even going to offer a seven day free trial for those of you on apple Podcasts. so you can simply go to your uh the, the like click on the link where the shows are and then you should be able to see uh the free trial button and if you sign on you get all of our exclusives including last night's rewind of smackdown and even the uh new japan uh, sorry uh new newark and in, in, uh, uh new jersey road diaries that john put together from our trip just last week yeah, and we have uh, several shows coming up for cafe members, including the Ask Away Mailbag show this Tuesday. I'm going to be jumping on MCU later on Thursday to chat about the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special with WH and Way. And we, our next Rewind Away will cover an edition of WWF Superstars from May of 1992. So that is all coming up in the next uh, week to 10 days for postwrestlingcafe.com members. So jump on board. It's a lot of fun. And one last plug here for the store.postwrestling.com. It is currently Black Friday week. So we're doing a 25% off all t-shirt sale right now at store.postwrestling.com. We haven't done a sale pretty much all year. So this is our first one. We don't do, do them too often. 25% off of all shirts, store.postwrestling.com. Let's get into tonight's show. Um, a five-match show spread out over uh, three hours and 11 minutes. And... Uh, uh, the pre-show I had on in, in the background, uh, the only thing of note was an interview with uh, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler, who joked about injuring Raquel Rodriguez and all the different sounds that different bones make that they can break. 
Baszler has an affinity for ankles cracking, and Rhonda notes that Uncle Gene would love a neck crank. And Shout out Gene LaBelle. They did show Raquel showing up in an arm brace. And then during the broadcast, they said that she will be out for four to six weeks. So that was the... Uh, um, Interesting. You the think it's a, it's a legitimate injury? What, what What is this? I mean, obviously enough that they could do something on Friday, but I... It certainly was done as a reason to, I guess, write her out for four to hmm. six weeks. So I, I don't know like, w- if it's an actual injury, something else, but obviously it was done for a reason on Friday in, in addition to uh, building up this story tonight. So the Open saw Ozzy Osbourne lip syncing to War Pigs. Yeah. Yeah. A recording he made, um, I think, in the 70s or you know, um, maybe even earlier than that. So to see modern day, you know, Aussie like that, is quite the sight <laughs> that I think most of us mm, probably know more for like that reality show, <laughs> like crazy. God, this, this song was released in 1970. Yeah. Like to this see, is a like 52 year old song. <laughs> I know. Like I, I just have such a like separation of like modern day Ozzy Osbourne from like Black Sabbath, you know? So it's weird, like hearing that voice come out of this face, you know, the, the, the same face that I, I saw on MTV like 20 years ago. Well, they, you know, they incorporated Ozzy Osbourne quite a bit here because his, his new uh, song, they also used on this. Uh, they were plugging his new album as well. So um, I'm, I'm very happy that this pay-per-view cycle is over and uh, we can retire war pigs until next oh, year. Oh, you wait till next year, Tony. Oh. You're going to get it just as much. I mean, this Man. is, this seems to be their, their song of choice. They lo- oh, dude, Hunter, Hunter loves this. They there are a lot song. of songs about the, the you know, war in, in its title that they can go for. By the way, this is an, uh, it's an anti-war song. Yeah. So, um, I, I guess, I guess, I don't know. Maybe that should have cool. been brought up. Maybe that, that should have been Sami Zayn's role in the match to, it. to really bring it to but uh that, that, then again um you know b- born in the usa also was not a, a very patriotic song either uh, mm. so it gets it gets utilized for its uh its opposite intent the announced attendance from michael cole was fifteen thousand six hundred and nine. russell ticks listed a setup of thirteen thousand forty two but it was a sellout so uh looks like uh, some potential exaggeration here but uh th- this was a strong demand from the get-go i think mm-hmm. that it was the tickets went on sale pretty early in the in the hunter run so i think you had a lot of momentum and then you on top of it added war games so it did seem like there was a lot of excitement for this show more than i would say a lot of recent years of survivor series where this has not felt like a significant show and yeah. I, I think this this was a a marked difference this year just even before we even get into the content of the show itself, I mean, I, I would say the promotion of this and, and I think just the excitement that you're drawing with the idea of a new concept being introduced um, was already a, a winner for me. You know, the moment they announced War Games, kind of making the jump over from NXT into um, main roster, um, it provides a freshness to the concept of Survivor Series and I think a, a certain specialness to the concept of Survivor Series that really was not there before. In years past, I mean, we've gotten away from sort of like the four on four tags and, and this instead they, they chose to stick to this Raw versus SmackDown shitty thing that I, I've, I've always hated. There was that one year with NXT that, that, you know, made it somewhat fresh. But beyond that, it's a concept that I think has always felt forced and it's failed. And I'm so glad that they decided to transition. Including all the champion versus champion matches. Yeah, like to awful. me, like unless you had a few pairings that really stood out, um, 
you know, by, by and large, like it was a very tired concept and mm. an indictment of the brand split every year that it was it did not feel like here it is. This is the the World Series uh, where it's the two. It's like the interleague play. It was like never taken seriously. It was time for a change on this show. So opening things up is the women's war games match. We have Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch, Asuka, Alexa Bliss. And as she is introduced, introduced Meechin, Mia Yim. Yeah, so some controversy over the past week about exactly whether or not this was an official name change. WWE.com had it changed officially to Meechin and then changed back to Mia Yim. So I don't know if they can really make up their minds about it, but I think she's at least going to be called both sort of interchangeably. Like a nickname. Yes. Yeah. And they're going up against Bailey, Dakota Kai, Io Sky, Nikki Cross, and Rhea Ripley. So the way that this works, two women start for a five-minute period, and then entrants enter every three minutes thereafter with the heels having the numbers advantage in this match and the opposite for the men's match. What did you think just about the um, j- j- just the layout uh, of the match in terms of the, the structure, the intervals, and how that worked? Now, it, this feels like it's pretty classic, like, War Games rules, right? Like, yeah. it, does it feel that any different? Because, like, in NXT, they would, of course, like... Um, they they did they added some variations. I don't know if blood and guts like you know varies it up at all, but like it felt pretty standard to me. Like everything, the intervals and also the the the, the number of people on each team. Um, I liked it overall. I mean, I I have certain issues I think with the actual uh, match itself, but I, as far as like the the stru- the structure of it, I I didn't really see anything to complain about. Did you? I just and and it was always my complaint with war games is just like you really need dynamic performers in this because you're the way these um intervals were structured like you're pretty much going 28 minutes where you have no near falls you have no near submissions and you have to keep that audience's attention before you can tease any kind of finishes and that's it, it's a long ask of of your audience to stay engaged when we're talking about pretty much a half hour before you can, you can do anything meaningful in in the match right right what is the alternative though like what is the shortest interval we've had for one of these types of matches you know like you you need to give enough time for the wrestlers to actually be able to kind of build something to build up their spots to build up whatever tension to set up a baby face comeback for instance and what is it two minutes john three oh, three minutes yeah yeah i guess you can argue two to three but you know they wanted to pad out the show i suppose and give them enough time well, Bianca Belair and Dakota Kai started this off and their um, Cole was constantly bringing up, you know, the history, especially of the NXT performers. This was Kai's mm-hmm. fourth War Games match and brings up in 2019 when she turned on her good friend Tegan Knox. Yeah, they 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 spoke of it almost as if it was this classic moment. And if you watched it and certainly within NXT, I, I, I tend to agree that it was um, it was one of the great things about that particular or game to match. Yeah. Yes. And, and this is uh, Michael Cole being allowed to uh, re- reference people that, that no longer are in the company, which there was plenty of on, on this show and mm-hmm. has been consistent with, with Michael Cole throughout this. I mean, we're past that already. You know, when we're talking about um, triple tails and I don't know, like oh, we'll, we'll get to some, he had his, oh, his deep cut of the month uh, yeah. coming up later. So uh match begins and it, it, it's a nice back and forth that they have here at one point, uh, Belair tried to whip her with her braid, but got caught with a scorpion kick and ends up with Kai being powerbombed into the cage. 
in number third is um, maybe my favorite performer of the 10 in this. And that was EO Sky. Um, she came in here outside of she had the, this one kind of bungled spot in the corner. But EO Sky, when she eventually becomes a baby face, is going to be just outstanding. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought she was great in this match. We had this crazy sequence with her and Bel Air, just a very athletic sequence. This is also she's been in four of these uh, War Games matches. Now, the one issue Sky had was she tried to use the turnbuckle to kind of kick herself up into a seated drop kick and kind of got tangled in the rope. And this was a crowd that when there was any kind of miss, they were very quick to alert them that they had screwed something up. Like this was a very, this was not a forgiving crowd when it came to um, any kind of spots that did not look smooth. And they were on top of this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe it tells you something about, I think um, how, um, I, I find that tends to be more the case, like with the more um, passion or hardcore, I suppose a fan base might be. Um, and and maybe you just kind of got that here. It was a very noticeable screw up, mm-hmm. though. I and, and very unusual for EOS guy. And, and a pretty like the, not not the most uh, when you look at some of the spots in this match, not the most uh, complex one either. It just mm-hmm. seemed to be like a, a timing issue. Oscar's in fourth, so she has a showdown with EOS guy and Michael Cole. While not dropping the triple tails reference, does refer to their uh, their history from their days in Japan. So. Did note that, and we just get this huge series of strikes from Asuka. Nikki Cross is in fifth, and the idea here is that Nikki Cross is out of her mind, and like she's technically part of the heel team, but she's really just out there for herself. And she brings in trash can lids and then slams the door on Asuka, and the crowd is chanting for tables. The table was incredibly over on Saturday night. And then she takes off her jacket and starts using that as a weapon on Bel Air and Asuka. Alexa Bliss is in sixth, and Belair uh, needed to really try hard to take this kendo stick. She went to break it over her knee, and man, this was a knee that was not cooperating, or a kendo stick that was not cooperating, but she was bound and determined to break this kendo stick, and she finally did. I mean, it's not the easiest object to snap, but she finally did. Uh, then Bliss and Asuka use kendo sticks, and Nikki is watching them all fighting while sitting on the perch on top of the cage, and comes off with a high cross to everyone, including her own team, which... I mean, they kind of call out and it makes sense for this character that she has no regard mm-hmm. for anyone, regardless of team. It's like, here is the out of control character that we have recruited, but is just out here being crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's I mean, this type of stuff happens all the time, even if like you didn't have a character like Nikki Cross, you know, it's a it's a sacrifice play. Yeah. This was our first spot off the top of the cage. More to come. Bailey is in seventh. She gets some ladders into the ring and then she pulls out the table. This might have been the biggest pop on the show when this table got pulled out. This crowd erupted for this table. That's what they were here. These 13,000 people, they want to see a table break. That's it. Forget Sasha Banks, you know, just just. Just bring a table in and um, make that the tag team champion. Yeah. So what they did was they trapped Belair between the two rings and slid the table across the middle ropes to trap her and attack her. And then Cross is pulling the braid through the fence and she's trapped. Mia Yim, Michin, which I was reminded multiple times is crazy in Korean. Uh, mm-hmm. comes in eighth, and it, it's a, this is a great way of learning a foreign language. You know, just like name a professional wrestler that word. You know, like. Give us another one. Baka, we know now. We're learning tons. Yeah. 
So uh, we got an impromptu match here with Mia Yim versus a trash can uh, to try and get this trash can into the ring. After several tries, she did. Yeah. And then Yim dives onto Bailey from one ring to the next. And all eight are down as the clock counts down for Rhea Ripley's entrance. She is the ninth entrant and comes in and she is dominating. Sky then runs the ropes just like like she was MJF here teasing the dive or something like she just ran these ropes forever before finally hitting a seated drop kick. And then there is a, a cannonball by Yim onto the trash can and sky hits a uh, multiple trash can lid shots to the head of Yim. The final entrant is Becky Lynch. I have to say during the countdowns by about the third entrant of the first war games match, that sound effect when the clock hit zero, mm. I was ready to retire that sound effect. Okay, I didn't. I I didn't pay that close attention, but it, it so was thumbs it was down show for me based on the sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> this is like right. a grading sound effect. I was like, "This uh, is how does it sound again?" It was like piercing. Okay, it's like huh. it's just constant. Go listen to it once you hear it once. You can't I, like unhear it. I guess it must have not bothered me that much. But okay, yeah. give me the give me the old horn or something or anything. I All right. I'm nitpicking. I get it. Becky Lynch is in 10th and the crowd um, the uh, first cross misses Becky and hits Sky with a trash can. So Becky puts the trash can over top of EO Sky. And at first I thought EO Sky was going to do, do you remember that war games where she had the, the trash can yeah. over her and did the moonsault? Yep. It's like, please do not recreate that. That I, I don't think we need to tempt fate with that a second time. So Becky then squares off with Bailey and yells, get up, you little bitch. And Ripley then attacks Becky, and we see a riptide uh, onto Becky, but the save is made by her team. Asuka hits Ripley with the poison mist that they did call the poison mist. So this was um, this was the dangerous mist. This is like a Muda's uh, uh, the the it, it's the red mist versus the black mist. We got the blue yeah. mist here. It's not that usual mist. That's just you know like like hydrating and and refreshing. This one uh, is lethal. They teased like a massive Tower of Doom spot, but then they they took it apart. They didn't do it. And then EO climbs to the top of the cage for a moonsault onto Bianca Belair and Mia Yim. So very fantastic spot there from uh, EO Sky. Cross then handcuffs Bliss and brings up, you think I forgot? But then Bliss handcuffs herself to Cross and delivers an electric chair. Unfortunately, she takes the worst of it landing on the trash can. And the announcers call attention to that. Uh we have damage control do a face off with Bell and Bel Air and Lynch, and they call back to SummerSlam. Like this was the the showdown in the post match when uh, damage control uh, returned to the company, and it leads to a manhandle slam on Kai, a KOD to Sky. So Kai and Sky get placed onto the table. Bailey gets sent into the cage with a KOD, and then Becky comes off the cage with a leg drop uh, and pins Dakota Kai in 39 minutes and 36 seconds. As the baby faces win, and then they all just started dancing to uh, to Becky's theme song. Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah. Um, our first War Games match in WWE main roster history, and I feel like it could have been better. Um, 
I never I, know where you're going with these. It's so <laughs> dramatic. I think they definitely got them by the end. You know, you had an excellent sort of sequence with Becky and Bianca playing up their year of uh, their feud with one another. And to finally see the two of them pair off together to team up made for, I think, a really heartwarming sort of like storytelling moment. Plus that incredible finish of her diving off the top with that leg drop. It was spectacular. And they certainly got the crowd by the end. But I think the rest of the match, even though it had its moments, it also definitely had its issues. I, for one thing, didn't sense that much crowd sympathy for the baby faces during the extra man advantages from the heels. That's sort of like the key ingredient for these war games matches, you know, and outside of Sami Zayn, I would say like across the board, that was an issue. Like with mm. the, like the, the baby faces lacking that, um, that, that crowd, like living with those baby faces to overcome, like, like Becky was certainly very popular in, in this match, but, um, t- t- to me, it, w- it was something that kind of, um, hurt, hurt some of the other matches that we'll get into. Yeah, um, and and I don't know if that's because of a lack of care for some of the characters um, earlier on, or maybe it was the content of some of the por- uh, some of those um, portions of the match. Uh, there was a lot of sloppiness in this match with some very awkward spots, you know, like like the EO spot that we mentioned. Um, uh, you know, just even something like me, I'm having trouble throwing a trash can into the ring. Bad landings from uh, uh, Bailey, you know, uh, off of a Bianca Belair powerbomb. The four way super superplex spot that. I don't know if that was intentionally like supposed to happen at the same time. They pulled it off like in sequential order, but then like the last one happened at the same time. Um, it's, I understand how difficult it might be to try to like synchronize everything when it's that f- spread out. But even like, um, you know, Alexa, like missing the, the, the trash can when she was trying to hit that electric teardrop. I know these matches are supposed to be brutal and there's supposed to be a level of chaos attached to it, but I thought a lot of the opportunities in this match felt more like, um, Miss choreography rather than like, you know, a struggle leading to just, you know, damage. But there were positives. And to me, that was Rhea Ripley here. She was made to feel incredibly special coming in at the very end, having very tense stare downs uh, with Becky Lynch. And, uh, you know, she feels like a really big deal right now in the women's division, elevated certainly above even Bailey and really anybody else on the heel side of things. Um, Rhea versus Becky like is being really well built just just on this alone and i really like the the team up for becky and bianca at the end no sasha chance no no that was not something that was evident at all on this show i don't think that was um no it it wasn't on the the audience's expectation list I, i think that this match i think it benefited from the novelty of being a war games match that people took it as a big deal um, to me, it, it it never reached that kind of fever pitch of a match where you were just um, e- even towards like the, the closing stretch for me where you really want to peak this match. And quite frankly, I think if, if you're going 40 minutes, my expectation level is very high. Like that has to warrant that amount of time. And I, I didn't feel like that th- this match really li- lived up to that. And just just from a story perspective, there are certainly directions coming out of this. But I would say at the end, it was sort of like Bel Air and Becky kind of arm in arm. It's almost as though that's the that is like the two dominant forces uh, at the end, winning it for their team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just and maybe they they do go t- to that. But I think that as well, they protected Rhea Ripley fairly well in this match. I just wanted to have something in this match where. You had a more clear direction for 
who's the next contender that's going to emerge. Um, Ripley, you can certainly go that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, a lot of this too was about kind of reestablishing Becky as, you know, one of the, the top women. So you, you had that coming out of it. This match certainly had its, its good points to it. EO Sky being one of them for me. Um, I, I, th- I thought uh, by and large, I mean, the uh, corner mistake or not, I thought that she looked really good in, yep. in this match, but it was, it was still to me like a 40 minute match to me. It's like you almost need to be having like a match of the year level to be asking that time of your audience. I think like that's, that's where we're, we're at. Like that's a and, solid amount of time that you are asking your audience to stay engaged with. And that's what this group and this team that's booking them are capable of. We've seen them ha- like steal the show on these NXT war games matches and, and, you know, like create, I think some incredibly dramatic moments through either booking or just in ring action. And I felt like, you know, even compared to a lot of the NXT war games matches, this was beneath that, that standard. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by nerd wallet, smart money podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with on nerd wallet's smart money podcast. Their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio, If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Um, the only backstage stuff throughout the night was a series of segments in the bloodline locker room. And this is playing off of SmackDown on Friday night and Jay eavesdropping the conversation between Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. So Jay tells Roman he knew from the start that Zayn couldn't be trusted. And he is the reason they lost the advantage match last night and says that Zayn and Owens were chopping it up on Friday. And then Zayn lied to my face. He lied about chopping it up. And Reigns tells Jay tonight, you be the right-hand man and you do your job. I'll handle everything else. And Reigns says he's going to look into Zayn's eyes and he will know if Zayn is telling the truth. And then Reigns summons Heyman to call Sammy. And it took took Sammy a long time to find the locker room. (laughs) Because Heyman called him right away on his phone. And it wasn't until like several matches later that he made his way there. I mean, what was Sammy doing? Probably warming up, you know, like, I mean, it's a big arena. Right? Where? Doesn't he get access to this locker room? Uh, you know, maybe he was just trying to prepare himself for, for what this is. I would have been suspicious. Who is he talking to? Where is he? All of this stuff was, again, very well done. They set the story up yesterday really well as well. And then just kind of continued throughout the night leading to um, a big payoff by the end of the, the evening in, in the match. Finn Balor and AJ Styles are next, and the women were not part of this match, which they shouldn't have been coming off of uh, the, the war games. So you had Damian Priest and Dominic on one side, and then Anderson and Gallows in the other. And uh, Balor came to the ring. Um, it looked like he was uh, wearing like a welder's mask. Yeah, some sort of like full, I mean, uh, I guess, gimpy type of mask. Yeah. Going, going for, yeah, uh, the gimpy welder. Okay, yeah. And then and, Michael Cole uh goes through the history of uh of Ferg, noting his uh his team with uh Ryusuke Taguchi, uh, Apollo fifty five. I know. Maybe maybe he's going to join the judgment day. Maybe maybe Finn should have come out in an astronaut outfit. 
with Dominic. Uh, could have done that, that. would be yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So Styles starts by just attacking the leg. He had a mask too, AJ. Um. Oh, that's right. That's right. I missed this. Um, yeah, he's a, th- um, a welder versus uh, I guess uh, I don't know uh, gas. Um, <laughs> gas line repairman. <laughs> I don't. Know. I'm sure there's a better name for it. <laughs> anyway. Um, Styles yeah. Styles is uh, going after the leg of Balor to weaken it for the calf crusher, and then Balor is begging off, and he says, "Come on, AJ, we're boys." And Priest distracts, and it allows Dominic to trip AJ. So Gallows and Anderson attack, and they all get into a brawl on the floor, and then they exit through the crowd, and they're gone. So they're left on their own. Uh, Balor uh, survives a calf crusher and hits a double stomp onto the sternum, and then Balor teases the Styles Clash. AJ counters and can't get the calf crusher, but does land the Pele kick. Balor hits one of his own. They're both down. And then we see Balor uh, continuing to borrow moves from Styles. He hits the Ushiguro. Then the 1916 gets blocked. Styles misses a 450. And then Balor uh, recovers and he goes for the coup de grace. And on his bad leg, he misses. And then he's limping. And AJ rolls to the calf crusher. And I was thinking at this point, this is an awesome finish. Mm-hmm. If he just taps here and he's about to, but then he slams AJ's head into the mat. And at that point, I'm thinking, AJ's got to be losing this because that was the perfect finish for what this whole match had been set up to. But then uh, Styles absorbs a kick on the apron, hits him with a forearm, and then hits the phenomenal forearm and pins Balor in 18 minutes and 23 seconds. Um, overall, I, I really enjoyed this match. I, I would have loved just the uh, the calf crusher. Like, they structured the whole match around this. And other than the idea of, like, Balor... Not tapping. I, I I just thought like that was just like like a perfect finish they had set up here. But anyway, they went with the uh, the traditional phenomenal forearm it, and AJ wins. It could be they they didn't want something that you know made Balor maybe look weaker than just a, a standard pinfall loss. You know, um, tapping out to a submission might have probably made him look um a bit more weaker. Like it, it might have been that much more definitive of an end to this feud when you're trying to continue to build the OC versus Judgment Day. Um. I thought the match overall was fantastic. You know, to me, it was a great exhibition of like two of the best wrestlers in this company and possibly in the world still. And I think and longer than I, I did not expect 19 on a, wow, on a really? show like this. They, they went 18, 23. I was Probably. not expecting them to get that much time on this, but it was a really good match. I didn't feel that length. You know, to me, that's a testament to like the quality of a match here, because to me, it, it, it felt special seeing these two together. I was surprised to hear that this was only the second time that they had met in the WWE with the last time being five years ago. That that actually quite surprises me. Um, part of what I think made AJ such a great follow-up leader to Finn Balor and the Bullet Club is the fact that they're both so incredibly similar in ring. You know, they 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 have signature moves that are almost analogous to each other. They have moves that are directly taken from each other. And I think by the time you get a match like this, it, it makes for this sort of tremendous, mm, like, you know, a fight between two versions of the same person almost you know they almost um amplify each other's abilities when you're placed in the ring with each other and i thought the the story of of, of balor's knee was was really well told i think they you know dug into actual new japan history and actually did a good job telling that story they kept away from all the faction interference stuff here uh, and and i think it was a recognition 
recognition that like this was a match for the hardcores. You know, this this was a match that needed to be presented in pure sort of like uninterrupted form with a definitive winner and a loser. And I thought it was very satisfying by the end. Yes, you'll get plenty of your bullshit on television. We'll give you we'll give you this one on mm-hmm. on the the PLE. Ronda Rousey against Shotzi for the SmackDown Women's Championship. This is where they note Raquel is going to be out four to six weeks. And they state that Shotzi is dedicating this match to her late father who passed away earlier this year, which was, um, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that. And I think it's always tough when you put like the baby face in that position on, on, on a show like this. Although this was not really yeah. part of the, uh, I, I understand like the, uh, the, the notion of, uh, uh, of dedicating this it just feels as though like it's such a like you want this person to triumph in that kind of a situation i know sort of like the classic you know example of that is like davy boy smith in in england dedicating right. that's it the to famous one and, and ended up losing well, to when Sean. he thought he was winning the match and then yeah. was told he is not winning the match after he had dedicated it to her yeah i i would i didn't feel as icky about this one because you know Shotzi is a low Carter slash like or mid Carter. Like she's not somebody who has received any sort of singles um, uh, appearance on a pay-per-view. So, so to me, like getting this championship match against Ronda Rousey um, was already more than I think you, you would expect from her uh, up until this point. So you can recognize that simply being in this stage is enough of a, of a, of a win. And, and will she have another opportunity in, in the near future? to be able to dedicate something this significant to, to her, her dad. Um, I don't know. So this, this was, I think the most important match she's had in, in, in the main roster up until this point. Rousey has Shayna Baszler in her corner. And after missing an Inseguri, Rousey goes for the ankle lock right away. And Shotzi is breaking free. She goes for a dive and Baszler gets Rousey out of the way. So she takes out Baszler with the dive and then sends Rousey into the steps and Shotzi comes off the top into a throw by Rousey and then Rousey yells, I can beat you with my feet and then went back to an ankle lock. <laughs> I can beat you with my feet. Okay. Yeah. What a, what, what is, a threat. Did she, what did she do? Was it a sweep or something that made her say that? Um, well, I think she was kicking at her when when she said that. So, oh, okay. She looks she could beat you. She's going to pound her into oblivion, right. I guess. Yeah, I think the trash talk probably needs a bit of work um, from this heel, Ronda. Yeah, there was. Um, I'll get to it at the end. But then Rousey like flips her over and kind of gift wraps her while tying up the leg, and then Shotzi lands a right hand. Michael Cole and Corey Graves, they go nuts. It's like, it's one lucky punch. I'm like, I don't think that was the buildup. I don't think this was this prime boxer. This was not the Logan Paul story. This crowd, this is what we had. To me, throughout this match, its detriment was I felt it was a lukewarm heel against a babyface that not one person in this building believed was winning this match. Mm -hmm. And it was severely hurt by that because this babyface needed that audience to react to anything. And they were anything but here throughout any of her offense. Mm -hmm. So... She then goes for a DDT to the edge of the apron, and this just totally got messed up. This was just yeah. looked really, really bad. And I don't know who who really kind of takes the blame, or maybe it's you know it kind of goes around the both of them. But it was um it, it was certainly not a head landing. It was more of a collapsing onto the apron. Yeah, this was the. Uh, I don't know if she got all of that kind of move. 
Yeah. Then she kicks off of Ronda into a Shiranui onto Baszler on the floor. And then both are sent into the crowd and Shotzi hits a cross body. And I guess they had several plants in the seats to fall down for them. And they all go down here. And then with that, um, there is a judo throw as Rousey recovers off the turnbuckle for a two count Piper's pit. And then the arm bar as Shotzi submits in seven minutes and 13 seconds. Um, just between the crowd reaction, I just did not feel that they were behind Shotzi in any way as a mm-hmm. viable baby face for Rousey. And, and I thought, honestly, like I've been more optimistic about Rousey as a heel. But in this match, I found it to be really elementary stuff. And it was awkward. The trash talk, I, I felt to be very beginner. Um, I, I just I did not think this match worked. Mm. I think I have like more of um, a soft spot for like Ronda Rousey's WWE run in general than I see in a lot of the audience and even in our chat room. You know, um, it, it I feel like a lot of her performances as of late, uh, especially on these like pay-per-views have been met with a, a lot of negativity. And maybe for me, like I still have such like warm, fuzzy memories of her MMA run that like I I'm able to see through a lot of it and I'm still able to really enjoy it. And for me though, I, I was more so paying attention to Shotzi in this match, and I felt like, yeah, no one is expecting a title change at all from it. I think the most you could hope to achieve is some sort of showcase for Shotzi, who has been largely invisible you know, on the during her WWE main roster run. And I feel like she did enough here to at least achieve that for me. Like, I thought she showcased... Um, like a really, you know, spectacular daredevil style. Somebody like who's not afraid to jump and uh, off of stuff. They crafted some nice spots with her, like her diving off the barricade onto the crowd. Um, she, to me, at least impressed here. Finish to me felt a little abrupt. I don't know if they were running overtime or or what, but <laughs> with all the stuff on the the, the seven minute match is the one that gets uh, rushed at the end. Although, yeah, it, it to me it was just. It was anticlimactic at the end. Like after you did that big high cross spot and then boom, we're, we're going into the finishing sequence for, for Rhonda at the end of this. And I feel like I heard Rhonda say, we gotta go like right before she delivered the, the Piper's pit. But I mean, I, I could be kind of wrong. So, um, this is a type of match that really is just kind of there to hold Rhonda over. You know, you want to establish her heel run a little bit. Um, and, you know, you're you're waiting for a new challenger to be set up when all the baby faces are being taken up right now on um in the war games match, uh and maybe maybe Raquel like who do you who do you, who do you think is the next person to challenge for Ronda? Well, I think at this point you're you're probably looking for you know a bigger challenger because the next big match should probably be at the Rumble for Ronda, yeah. and and then yeah. you're getting into like her mania program. So I, I would say from, from this point on, you don't like, you could do some stuff on TV with her to hold her over, but I would say you, you have to get some big baby face uh, over uh, going into the rumble. And whether that is, um, I mean, you can, you can look at, at your list. It's, it's not the deepest list of baby faces on SmackDown. Yeah, I, I feel like they maybe they'll go the Raquel direction just, you know, with the story set up. I mean, it, also if it's the rumble, it the concern is that, they'll do another sort of lame duck challenger because they'll recognize that the rumble is a match that kind of sells itself, you know, Raquel should come back for revenge and at least get a match somewhere. If it's the rumble or TV, I mean that, um, that, but, but, that. but, but, you know, there's a lot of negative sentiment coming out of, I think every single Rada Rousey win from this point on, um, they're going to have to, do something to maybe get people a bit more excited because she's going to be holding on to this championship all the way until WrestleMania. We know Becky Lynch is the destined opponent and um, can, can they make a Ronda run compelling enough until then? 
yeah, it's um, you know, she has certainly, I, I mean, cooled off dramatically to me than the first WWE run, and you know, the the heel character, like I, I think Shayna helps, but th- this is far from we are, we have reached um the, the goal of this heel character. I think she mm-hmm. she still has a, quite a ways to go. Zayn walks into the Bloodlines locker room to meet with Reigns, and he is asked, "Did you speak to Owens?" And he says, "Yes." And I lied to Jay because he had a big match that night and I didn't want to put that on his plate. And he already has problems trusting me. <laughs> it's like, this is great. And Owens spoke to me, not vice versa. I listened and that was it. And then Roman says, what did Owens tell you? And Zane says that I should turn on the bloodline before they turn on me. Rain says, this is my family. This is my blood. And I need you to look me in the eye. And tell me if you are with us or if you're going to stab us in the back. And I'm like, Roman, that's not how stabbing people in the back works. Okay. They don't give you a heads up ahead of time. uh, Zane is with them, he says. And it means the world that you have taken me in. And I am one of the five people allowed in this locker room. I will not let you down tonight. I will not let you down on any night. So Roman stands up. And you don't know which way he's going to go. And that smile comes on and he says, let's do it. And then they hug. But then Roman gets serious again. This was tremendous. It was so good. Like these two, it was almost like uh, who was going to crack here because it was so serious. And they just stared at each other. Oh, well, th- th- to me, there was no danger of cracking. I mean, yes, like we're, this, this. I could not do this. I would I would I would just break. I well, th- this feud to, to me, it certainly has been, kind of made its name on like fun segments involving Sami Zayn. But when it's time for these two in particular and Jay, Jay Uso to get serious and act, they knock it out of the park. This was like one of the better acted wrestling backstage segments I've seen in a long, long time here. Um, the tension I thought was so incredibly well built between the two. Uh, and, and I feel like, you know, heading into war games tonight and really from this point forward, Sami Zayn is the, the lead character and he is a baby face. Don't get it twisted. Everybody. He is a baby face in a heel faction. You can make the argument. They're all kind of baby faces. It's the reason definitely. the advantage kind of worked. Like it's yeah. so counter to tradition of like the mm-hmm. heels having the advantage, but Zayn was the X factor that threw that out the window for me in that match. Totally agreed. Yeah. He is the guy that we as an audience are supposed to completely sympathize with. We know that this man is just caught in between some bad situations and and that he he's not doing anything wrong roman questions him here you know did did you do something and zane just tells the truth he is completely loyal he he describes exactly what happened that we saw last night and he even got into a level of emotion here like you know the pausing in his voice him looking down he he like him like staring at 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 roman and and exactly doing what roman is is looking for like he's telling the truth with his eyes and and i thought zane just kind of conveyed that so well and then you have roman reigns whose ability to transition between like being ice cold to to completely warm with that smile is just like so outstanding. Like he's the mean dad that you just desperately want approval from. And I think he just manages to kind of command like the entire scene every time he's, he gets into this sort of mode. I, I just continue to be so impressed with all of this. If you go back and watch the first segment with Roman and Jay, and then the segment with, uh, with Zane and Reigns, if you just pull up the, uh, the, the, the screenshot there, 
Okay. And Paul Heyman oh, was so great. awesome yeah. in both. Okay. Yeah. And his demeanor changes in the two. Like it's, yeah. you can yeah. hear, you can see him yeah. like that. He is this shadow that is over top of all of this, that mm-hmm. you just suspect is the puppet master um, behind some of this. And he oh, was yeah. just, he's just tremendous as this ominous figure that uh, has, has Roman's back. Um, but th- this was like uh, some great, segments that they did they didn't overdo the backstage stuff what they did though was very key for the story of the show and this is the story of the match absolutely yes second from the top seth rollins bobby lashley and austin theory for the united states championship so um we had kind of like a traditional start of like the three-way match where it's like one guy would get taken out and we're doing like the three-way spots and then it picks up as Rollins just like turns it on here and he's hitting suicide dives to opposite corners. Then he's hitting a Topecon hero onto both. And then this audience just goes nuts. And Seth Rollins was totally taken as a baby face. The second he came out, mm-hmm. um, Lashley then yanks theory out of the way of a stomp and Lashley goes for the hurt lock while theory applies a sleeper to Lashley at the same time, everyone gets free and there is a pedigree by Rollins onto Lashley for a two count. Then Rollins climbs to the top and it's time for one of his uh several times a year phoenix splash attempts but theory then dumps rollins out of the ring rolling blockbuster and he goes for the a town down that's countered to the hurt lock and theory kicks off of the turnbuckle while in the hurt lock rolls on top and the camera is zoomed in on the cover and out of nowhere comes rollins off the top with a frog splash to lashley uh to break this up this was awesome and from this moment on um the, like the the last like third of this match to me it was watching Seth Rollins who was just phenomenal. Uh, Theory tries a pedigree. Rollins then attempts an A town down, and Lashley tries a double hurt lock to the two of them. Then misses a spear in the corner, and we see Rollins go off of Theory to stomp Lashley, and then the superplex is delivered to Theory, and he rolls through, lifts him up for the Falcon Arrow. Lashley gets up and staggers and spears Rollins, who's got Theory hoisted, and as Lashley kind of knocks himself out, Theory lands on top of Rollins and gets the fluke pin at 14 minutes and 51 seconds. I disagree with the outcome of this and the fluky finish, but this was just so good. And Rollins, I just thought was just, um, he's outstanding. He was so good in this match. And this was one that if you got my, uh, if you listen to our preview, I had like just not a whole lot to this match. Um, it, it, it exceeded my expectations and Rollins was a big reason why. And it's kind of why I, I want to see this title like very important and meaningful. And to me, Rollins is that guy. Um, but, yeah. you know, theory, I guess they figured after the way he was booked, he needed something here. Yeah, the booking of this one would have, was was one of the more interesting questions to me um, heading into the show. How were they going to maybe protect an Austin theory while, you know, keeping a, a Seth Rollins reign going? And, and they chose to end the reign and, and instead, you know, give it all to theory. Uh, I actually like. I, I know what you, what your criticism might be about the finish. Like, does it necessarily make Austin Theory when he just kind of backdoors his way into a victory like this? Um, I feel like the fact that he was simply able to survive and ultimately kind of squeak out even this sort of like, you know, uh, I don't want to say cowardly, but just like 
you could argue- like it was uh, like he was like mm. out cold essentially and he just landed on top of the guy you can make that argument but or, or you can also say that it was a smart victory right like or they'll try to play it up like that i think it was necessary for him to get this sort of conclusion because of the failed cashing you know this redeems it he didn't win the U.S. title through the money in the bank, but he ended up beating both Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins in a match. And he will continue to drive that point home that he legitimately beat these two. And I think that'll be enough. Um, I'm less excited for an Austin Theory U.S. title run than I would have been for either a Lashley or Seth Rollins run. But I think the result needed to happen just to kind of set Austin Theory on that course. But the story of the match is Seth Rollins. He was outstanding here. It was like he, like, you know, ate like an invincibility star and just like went crazy. Like you saw some incredible stuff from him uh, between the topes to like, like, you know, that, that Mario like double jump stomp. Um, and, and even to the to the finish here with the uh, Falcon Arrow into the spear, he was incredible. Lashley and Theory were really right there with him. This ended up, I think, for some perhaps being a show stealer. Um, and, and that was a lot more than I could say. I'll, I'll say this. I thought Rollins was the, the performer of the night on, yeah. on the show. Yeah, I would not disagree with you. I do think we have to talk about the start of this match and Austin Theory's entrance coming out to a Beyblade commercial on his Titan Tron. Did you catch this? No. So Austin Theory comes out <laughs> and then. All of a sudden, they cut to like a wide shot of him posing in front of the Titan Tron, and then a bunch of fucking Beyblades. You know what that is, John? No. They're like spinning discs that that were toys, like from like I think like twenty years ago. Okay. They're like these spinning tops. All of a sudden, start spinning on the Titan Tron, and then this Beyblade Burst Quad Drive logo pops up on screen as they cut to you know the opening graphic of of them being sponsored by this. They used. Austin Theory's Titantron to play a commercial. Um, this was unique. This was some uh, something that I'm sure you know, like Stephanie will be very proud of. Hey, look, we, we're finding new opportunities to monetize our our uh, the, you know synergy. Blah 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 blah. Um, I I think this is way too far. Like a Titantron for a wrestler is essentially their name tag, and to throw a, a Beyblade say, commercial. Say what you will about Vince McMahon, but he had his limits. Like he wanted a clean canvas. He wanted um, outside of Brock when he came back and was able to get the sponsors on his shorts. And I think like Cena had a deal at one point with like Mark Echo, like very, very few chances. Like think of like guys trying to get sponsorships on their tights and stuff totally. like none of that. It, yeah. Think of the amount of money that just to get logos on the canvas, mm-hmm. like triple a and CMLL do like they have like tons of inventory there. And that was always a no go. And I don't know if that same philosophy exists. And th- no. this would certainly be a, a signal of that. Yeah. Nothing that, uh, you know, Vince seemingly didn't really want to affect the sanctity of the match. I mean, unless it's zombies um, in the match, of course. Um, yeah. he did, he, it, he to me, it was always an odd kind of like put your foot down kind of thing when there's so, like, it's very counter to so many other instances in this company. But, but especially when you have a wrestler that I think is trying to battle irrelevancy as much as an Austin Theory was. To kind of saddle his entrance with a fucking Beyblade commercial, you got Let's Go Beyblade chance 
it, it, during this match for him. And if this result was not what it was and he didn't win, then I feel like this would have been even worse of an idea. Well, they're going to be isolating those chants and be doing cartwheels that they got a chant going. And Stephanie will be talking on the next investors call about we had an we had an activation with Beyblade Burst, which led to the unique chant from the Boston <laughs> chapter of the WWE Universe who chanted, let's go Beyblade in an organic fashion that took our brand and made you feel Beyblade. Yeah, yeah. and they'll go dig up Twitter and look at all the mentions of people complaining about the – like laughing at the Beyblade integration. <laughs> it and was trending out. after. Oh, it was trending, yeah. It had all these mentions on Pro Wrestling Podcast. Check it yes. out. Yes, as Way mentions too. Yes, Hulk Hogan was also trending after his return at uh, Crown Jewel yeah. that year. And oh. but then you could uh, go go uh, look yeah. at the uh, the tweets. So congratulations to Seth. Uh, well, sorry, I, Austin Bay. I'm glad here. you caught that because I was uh, as I'm taking notes. I I totally missed that that aspect of this match. So there you have it. Um, a great performance uh, in particular by Seth Rollins. Reigns then meets with Jay. He says he looked Zayn in the eye, and he saw everything he needed to. And that is our precursor for the men's war games match. Roman Reigns, the Usos, Solo Sokoa, and Sami Zayn against Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens, Sheamus, Butch, and Ridge Holland. Owens is out wearing a Dusty Rhodes shirt, which they did note, the uh, the man that came up with, with the concept for 1987 at the it, Omni. And honestly, this was a thought that didn't even cross my mind. Next year, having Cody. I mean, Cody, we already saw it in, in Blood and Guts, but like, did we see him in Blood and Guts? Did he end up doing that match? No, no, he was not Ooh. in Blood and Guts. Yeah, so he you don't have any. He, he was going to be in the first one at the Prudential Center, but then that got delayed, and then he wasn't in. Um, he wasn't in the two. He was he no. was gone by this year's one and wasn't in last year's. It'll be very special if you know he's healthy this time next year. So uh, I love the entrances at the beginning. First of all, the Bloodline come out and they just feel like like superstars all dressed in red yeah yeah it was nice and then solo sokoa just crosses his arms and stares like a hole into the baby face's chamber he's great man like mm-hmm. solo sokoa has instincts that are very advanced for his amount of time he's got instincts i also imagine he's got incredible coaching you know from all the people that are around him i mean it's roman it's his parents it's or, or his dad it's it's his you know every uncle that that's in the family um, Paul Heyman, you know, that I'm sure is, is probably taking a, a good control of, over him. So, yeah. They state how the bloodline have never been in a war games match, but Paul Heyman was involved with the dangerous alliance against Sting's squadron in 1992, which is a hell of a war games match, by the way, from 30 years ago. So they were yeah. able to rely on Paul Heyman's firsthand knowledge from three decades ago. Yeah, I know a lot of this is like maybe, you know, Graves kind of mentioned, Cole, you love like, you know, tw- uh, Twitter um, putting you over or something to that effect. Yeah, he said but, you love uh, Twitter being nice to you. <laughs> but it has a real benefit to these matches. And, and that went for, you know, AJ versus Balor and, and even something like this. Not to even say that they would have hit against this under the Vince era. But um, I don't know. It still feels really unusual for him to like dig down, dig into their own history like this. So Butch and Jey Uso start the match, and it's Butch targeting the fingers of Jey's injured hand that he still has taped up from, from mm-hmm. the injury he had on the uh, the European tour. So uh, focusing on the hand and wrist for most of it, Ridge the Fridge is in third, and Graves notes that Ridge won't win a lot of style points, but he's able to, to double-team uh, Jey Uso along with Butch. The fourth entrant is supposed to be Jimmy Uso, but then Reigns holds him back and sends out Zayn instead. And they want to see how loyal Zayn will be. So Zayn uh, stalls for a long time before finally getting into the ring. And 
he has to work with Jay Uso for this this period of time. And he goes in and then he goes after Holland and he pats Jay on the back. Jay did not want that pat on the back and he gets pissed off. And then there's a spot where Holland is going to run into Jay into the fence. But Zane pulls Jay out of harm's way and he tells him, I got you. So the whole time, like, you know, we see Sammy is telling the truth. We see he's very earnest. We don't expect him to turn on the bloodline whatsoever. But we're all wondering when is the bloodline going to turn on him? You're wondering. It's like, who? when is the shoe going to drop? That's yeah. that's essentially it. The drama is – and the drama is who is going to stab who. Mm-hmm. Drew McIntyre is fifth, and he tosses Sami Zayn around and says, I'm feeling pretty oozy right now. Jimmy Uso is sixth, and – this is when the weapons start, uh, where the tables are brought in, and then Zane and Jay argue over who is going to set up the table, and they start shoving each other, and they cut to Reigns, who's just like shaking his head like a d- disappointed parent. Kevin Owens is seventh, and he brings the chairs in, and he just starts walloping the Usos with chairs, and then a cannonball is hit to Jay, a swanton, and then he has the standoff with Zane, but before they can go at it, Holland attacks Zane. Solo Sokoa is in eighth, and he goes at it with Owens for quite a while. And then Sokoa and Drew, stemming from the Clash at the Castle uh, screw, uh, screw job by Sokoa, they go at it. And then ninth is Sheamus, and Zayn tries to keep the door shut, but Sheamus just rips it open, slams it into Zayn's head, and the brawling brutes beat up the bloodline against the fence. In number 10 is Roman Reigns, and War Games begins at the 28-minute mark as we go for about another 10 minutes here. Do you feel like um do you feel like at least maybe for the first match, maybe less so for this match, that like the audience was maybe quieter for the opening portions because they knew that this match wasn't going to have a finish until the match beyond? I think a combination of, you know, your biggest stars are coming in at the end in the first match, Becky, in the second one, Roman Reigns. I think that affects it. And yeah, I, I do think like that. It's not like the crowd was dead, but it's like 28 minutes is a long time. And you can't, and you've just got to rely on like brawling and weapons in there, which mm. I mean, it subsides, but like it, it's a long time. It, it's, it's, it might be one of those cases where like you can see why blood might have helped something like that, you know, having sort of like uh, the visual of a baby face bleeding and really in need of help. And then, you know, you people cheering for the, for the baby, for the, the other person to come in to, to rescue him. Like that, that, that would, probably fill out some of this these portions a little better um but i mean they've they've made great war games matches without blood before so it maybe it was a bit more pronounced in um tonight maybe we'll get cgi at some point like they can add blood, CGI blood. yeah okay so there were some chance for reigns as he entering and then the two teams square they love this spot where everyone just stands at a, on, on their side i love it too it's like straight out of a comic book yeah, yeah it's, it's great. uh it, it it works sometimes, and then they uh it's it, it, they they do it in every one of these. It's uh it, it's a go to for them. So they go at it, and then it's just a brawl. And then Reigns is the last one standing. Uh, after a Superman punch to Sheamus, Sheamus then lands a kick, stopping a spear. We get the fifty beats of the Baudrin with all five baby faces pounding the chests of their oh, opponents in the gutter between the two rings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that it. was a clever spot, and the audience yeah. really liked that one. Um, then we start seeing Zayn attacking Butch, telling him that's the tribal chief, and Jay misses Butch, and he super kicks Zayn. So that was important. It was Jay who screwed up here and hit Zayn. 
So they still kind of left you a bit of a benefit of the doubt whether or not Jay intentionally did it. But the key was that Jay showed zero remorse afterwards. He's like, he's kind of happy about the accident. Then there's a 1D to Butch off the turnbuckle, a double super kick to Holland, and there's saves galore here. Reigns then spears Holland through a table, and a spinning solo puts Drew through a table. Owens hits the stunner on Sokoa, but Reigns yanks him off, so Reigns and Owens go at it. Uh, they're delivering strikes. Reigns blocks a stunner, hits the Superman punch, but then Owens stops a spear with a super kick, pop-up powerbomb, and hits the stunner. Reigns is down one Two and Zane grabs the referee's arm and stops the count. And Owens looks at Zane like he's been betrayed. It's like, dude, we're on opposite teams here. This is this is how this goes. So Owens and Zane go one on one here, and Owens then catches a super kick from Jimmy. And Zane has to just act in the moment, and he kicks Owens low. But after hitting this, he's conflicted. Reigns gives him the nod, so Zane executes the hit. He hits the Haluva kick to his best friend and then drops him down right there for Jay Uso to hit the Uso splash, allowing Jay to get the win for his team in 38 minutes and 33 seconds. And Zane, he, you can see, still see his torn, but then Reigns gives him a hug. And this was like the full indoctrination of Sammy Uso. And even more so than Roman, Jay Uso. Who embraces Zane and he fully welcomes Zane in and Zane just celebrates and yells, I'm bloodline. And uh, my my first instinct or reaction after this was this would be such a different match if Owens had somehow been not able to be to to go here. So he was really lucky that he was that the injury was not worse because that there is not another member of that babyface team that you can do this with Zayn. It would just would not have had the same weight. I think it would have really restructured the match not having Owens in this. They would have had to fabricate some sort of like I don't know relationship relationship between Sammy and, and Drew or like Sammy and Butch maybe. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It, it wouldn't have worked. So eat my dog, my my dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he was key. And I mean, clearly he, he seemed more than healthy, you know, uh, Kevin Owens. No, he did a lot. They didn't even leave him till the end for the, the baby face side. I mean, I, he was, you know, the standout guy on that team, like much more than Drew or Seamus or any of the other guys. So by the end here, you know, we had at least some, t- some tease of, of a bloodline turning on Zane. Of course, we had, you know, Roman giving Sami Zayn the embrace, but looking into the camera and kind of giving, you know, a bit of a cold stare. So you don't exactly know what's going on in his head. You had Jay Uso unintentionally, we think, kick Sami Zayn in the head and then show zero remorse out of it. But beyond that, the bloodline were, were pretty loyal to Sami Zayn here. You know, we never got really any, any indication from Roman. He was questioning Zayn, and I think that's why he threw him in there second instead of Jimmy. But um, you never got any indication that they were doing that. And I and by the end, you have a, a bloodline that's more united than ever. And and I feel like the reason they did it is probably because that they wanted to keep this going a little longer. They could have done a whole lot um, to blow it all up, you know, to, to for them to turn on Zane or for Zane to turn on them. Um, but clearly they see a whole lot more life in this unit. And I'm very happy for it. Um, this match, I thought, was tremendous the action was really strong but i think the storytelling is what i'll remember most out of it with the central figure in sammy zane um the setup for it between jay uso roman and sammy and paul Heyman in the back from last night to tonight was also incredibly strong 
they have effectively made him like the biggest baby face in this company while being a member of the biggest heel faction. This tension is so great of him being in the midst of this group that can turn on him at any second. And I, I just can't wait to see it continue throughout the year. Yeah, I, I would say if just on its own, like to me, this was all about the story and how it, like the different finishes. I thought it was really compelling. You had the, the drama of Zane and Owens with Jay and Reigns as kind of your central figures and then sort of your your secondary players in the match. Um, far from the best War Games match I've ever seen, but it was very compelling. I was I was very invested in this match. And I think I think this audience was, too. And. You know, you're still at the point of this bloodline story where I think your audience is very engaged in what's going to happen next. At some point, you, you have to have a major shift in the story, like some, some significant, uh, moment has to occur, but you're, you don't have to be doing it in November when this should be peaking for those Montreal shows, for Mania. Like that's when this should, you know, take form and you are months away from that. I think the settling of, of like the Sami Zayn, you know, uh, loyalty storyline and specifically Sami and Jay Uso's um, sort of rift between each other. That, that to me was a significant moment coming mm-hmm. out of this match. You know, you're, you're firmly establishing Zayn's sort of status in this family. They are accepting him. Now he is gaining power within this, this, this unit. Um, What's that going to look like? You know, like this does begin another chapter where he's no longer really on his toes. He's no longer trying to, you know, gain the group's respect. He has the respect. And then after that, um, what do you do to, to kind of continue to build that tension? What is the next bit of tension if it's not necessarily Zane's loyalty that they're questioning? Well, I think based on the, the stunner near fall, like Owens is 100% the next challenger. And, mm. and you can argue that atmosphere wise, that's an amazing match for Montreal, but you also have a stadium show in January. And that's a, that's, that was the match coming out of this is Reigns and Owens based on this guy had him beat, um, that maybe you end up doing that in San Antonio in January and you have something else for Owens and Zane at Elimination Chamber. It almost seems too perfect, though, you know, to have it for Owens in, in a hometown crowd, you know, with Zane sort of playing like an accessory to it all as well. Um, would you save it for that? Um, do you They've also been hitting you over the head that Owens had. He was the closest to beating Reigns at two years ago at the Royal Rumble. So you do have kind of that symmetry to go back to two years later at the same event you can also potentially do a series you know he could maybe maybe owens gets gets his first crack at, at the rumble and then it continues you put something up at chamber. elimination chamber like or do you have roman be a part of the elimination chamber match oh i i think owens um yeah i mean it's um yeah i was thinking more of just like one-on-one at, at i am too chamber, but, but, but will will they want the champion as part of the elimination i mean you know there there are a lot of ways they can play it they're in very good shape right now uh, i think it's very clear to me that you're not going to get any sort of like zane turn until mania or after right. you know like, because in theory you've got the rumble winner and you don't need to create a second contender at chamber you have your your one contender coming out of the rumble and then you could have reigns defended in montreal um so much of this also depends on like what roman's direction is at wrestlemania yeah roman might not do elimination chamber if there's not something um i would think you do want him on that show but um but if it is going to be like Dwayne, you know like Mm -hmm. that's going to kind of interrupt all of this right 
Yep. Like you, you're not no longer really going to focus on the Sami Zayn story when you've got The Rock, right? Or nor Kevin Owens when you've got The Rock. So is this enough to kind of tide them over until whenever they tell the WrestleMania story? I mean, I would ju- I would just guess like Owens is a holdover. And mm. and maybe like the main great direction one. is like, yeah, it's, it's it's a compelling one. They've done a very good job with it. And Montreal is a great place to, you know, um, build up to a match that it's going to have one of the best atmospheres for a WWE show next year. And then you've got like the, the direction is like Sami Zayn against the Usos. And it would make sense like how you get there of Zayn and Owens uh, coming back together. Well, you have months to establish that and do that after tonight. So, um, yes, the bloodline continues to be the uh, the most compelling thing in WWE at the moment. And yeah, um, yeah I, I, I thought it, it they, they pulled off a really a well done main event. What do you think about Survivor Series War Games as a whole. I mean, it's um, I'm not gonna go. Um, I don't feel I'm gonna go full thumbs up on on this one. I thought that there was there was enough good that I, I thought it was a very good show overall. Um, I, I slightly go up based on that three way overperformed uh, for me, but I'm I'm gonna stay in the middle to be quite honest. And maybe I'm being hard on this show because uh, Balor and Styles was really strong. I enjoyed the men's war games. I enjoyed the three way. And that's like, and, and the women's one was, it, it, it was good. It was not, uh, you know, a great war games, but it was good. Ronda and Shotzi, I thought was a bad match. I, I go thumbs up on the show overall. I thought a really strong men's uh, war games uh, in the main event. That's probably uh, the fair assessment. Like it was a good show. Really, show. to me, really good matches in Balor versus Styles and the three way, which completely over exceeded my expectations. Um, the women's uh, war games match had its its sort of a, a fault, but I I thought overall I I still I think I just still really enjoy war games, and I thought they really kind of nailed the finish. Um, but yeah, it was very imperfect. Maybe not the best representation of that particular match. Um, Shotzi Rada, like I I I thought it it was good just to kind of see Shotzi, you know, in in a prime role uh, on a pay per view. But over, overall, I I enjoyed the pay per view, you know, or sorry, PLE. Uh, I, so I go thumbs up. All right. If you want to jump into uh, the StreamYard room, uh, if you want to call in, you are more than welcome to jump in. We will also be taking your super chats if you are in the uh, the live chat or forum.postwrestling.com. Many ways to reach us. Yeah, we have uh, the call-in link available for all of our um, patrons and YouTube members. Just go to your uh, email with the live stream link and also the community tab or sorry, the members tab, tab for all the uh, YouTube members. Um, first of all, let's go to our super chat here. We got one here from Abraham the 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 Valhalla Valhalla, Valhalla Sarah Rowe. <laughs> no. He sends five dollars. Thank you for the support, Abraham. He says, "I've been watching since y'all left the other channel forever ago, but never sent in a super chat. Sorry about that. Keep up the great work." Uh, not a problem at all. Thank you so much for at least. Uh, We've been waiting, us. Abraham. We've every time. We know a dollar for every year we've uh, we've been active on our own. So thank you for eventually. Thank you, Abraham. Uh, Thank you so much. And let's go to some calls right now from our patrons. Start off here with Hansi. Welcome to the show, Hansi. I got to say, you know, I I, uh, my sentiments are with you with, with what you guys said. But like, I think maybe watching AEW's blood and guts matches 
and I feel like they enca- en- encapsulate the the spirit of what war games is supposed to be, like the the gruesomeness and all that. Like I'm also, I give the props to all the workers, and I'm not like trying to like say d- diminish their work or anything that they did some really good spots. But I just feel like there's a routine even within the latter latter years of NXT war games that they carried over on here, where I feel like it, it takes me out of it when like they're running down and then they're just going for weapons. And it feels like it takes more effort to get these weapons while your like teammates getting like their head kicked in and all that. You know what I mean? So like some of that stuff is, is kind of a disconnect to me. Uh, I thought the match was overperformed. Um, I got the, the, the defense for that though, Hanzi, is that if you're going into sort of like uh, I don't know enemy territory, you want to come armed. You want to come prepared. Well, 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 I mean, the way that they do it, like, for example, like an AW, like, they'll have, like, powder in their pocket or something like that. Like, they'll incorporate it. Like, I'm saying if you're, if you're going to have a War Games match, then at least maybe put some weapons on the cage to, like, at least, like, you know. I don't make, like that. I think that's hokey. Like, I, I, I get it. I get it. It just, sometimes it, it just it just takes me, I'm just, I understand, I understand the, the the motivation, but, like, when you're pulling out, like, 15, 15 tables, you know what I mean? Like, you just. I don't know, but I'll say the the main event. Um, like even though like I didn't think like the 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 quality match like you know other past war games, the story in the end all it, all that mattered, and I think it delivered, and it was probably one of the better payoffs for a war games match that I that I've that I've seen that had good storytelling, and uh, I I just think but like what Sami Zayn is doing right now is like some of the greatest stuff. I I'm not gonna be at Mania, but I'm glad that I'm going to the chamber because. I'm I'm actually excited to see where the story is by the time I get to the chamber. I I hope you guys uh, are able to you know go to the chamber as well like from Montreal. But I, I I'm looking forward to that. My question before I go is, um, Sami Zayn's getting so popular, and I know that he's not in the. There's people I've already had in my mind that it's Cody or The Rock that are gonna like challenge Reigns for the title, but most likely, mm-hmm. but people in their minds like. Oh my god! If this doesn't pay off with Sami Zayn dethroning Roman Reigns, and I'm like, I'm not gonna get myself in that like kind of tizzy because I know it's probably not possible. But do you guys think that like it will become like one of those super powered up storylines where like it kind of forces WWE WWE's hands into doing something with Sami Zayn if it gets too much? And I'll leave you guys with that. Anyways, good show this past weekend. Uh, happy five year anniversary again. I, I enjoyed the diary and everything. Like that peace out. Thank Thanks you so Hansi. much, Hansi. Thank you, as always, for participating and uh, give us, giving us a great question. What do you think, John? To get to Reigns and Zayn, I think absolutely you can do it at some point. Do I see that uh, being the WrestleMania match? No, but um, hmm. it's it, okay. Let's look at this, though. Yes, on paper, it's 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 not a match you would have called like a year ago. Like if you're not going to get the rock. Yeah, maybe you go to Cody, but. Is on Cody honestly? If Cody returned tomorrow, is he honestly a hotter baby face than Sami Zayn? I don't think so. Uh it's you don't know what kind of reaction he gets when he comes back. It might, be. but the story here is so strong. You know, like you it's have a real so strong much story with Cody too. It's just it hasn't been told in six months. Yeah, but the direct association with Roman in in all of this though feels like it's that much better. Um. I I wouldn't really kind of shut the door on it. Like what you're seeing with Sami Zayn right now feels very very much like like you know like a Kofi Mania, like a Brian Dan- Danielson type of like movement where where the crowd is just so behind him when the the company ne- never necessarily I think pegged for him to be in a main event championship contender type of role. Um, 
But the story is so strong right now that I, I, I could see it getting that hot for WrestleMania. It's it, it would be a huge match if, if they did it. Um, yeah, you can't discount anything. Um, you know that you know things can. You know, if we were talking at the 2013 Survivor Series, um, Brian Danielson was certainly not pegged to be headlining WrestleMania that next year. He was going to end up you know, like as of January, he was wrestling Sheamus on the undercard of WrestleMania. So there was a time where like I really could see Sami Zayn like be WWE champion. You know, like just, I don't know, given obviously what, what, where Vince kind of saw him and just, you know, him not necessarily fitting the mold of, I think, what they were looking for in sort of like a, a champion. But like, I, after, certainly after tonight, I, I could, I could see it. Um, he doesn't need to beat Roman. All he has to do is just tell a compelling story to challenge for, for Roman. Is that a WrestleMania worthy, you know, match? Maybe the, the story is there. Like they've they've done a tremendous job. Like the audience is ready to to see that. Um, if if you ever wanted to pull the trigger, like I I do feel it would be, you know, it, it, and it doesn't have to be WrestleMania, but like to get to that next year, I feel it would be a big deal if they uh, eventually get to that. Let's go to Muggin up next. Muggin, thanks for joining us. Sami Zayn is eclipsing Roman Reigns. What do you mean eclipsing? Period. Because. Sami Zayn is single-handedly like in this this tribal saga ever since he ever since he entered it, and I wouldn't I went say into, single. I wouldn't say single-handedly. Yeah, that may be the, the most interesting part, but it, it's a it's a whole a bunch of people that are making this work. That, that's that's true, but it's like I mean, um, a he's bringing a lot of stuff to Roman Reigns. B the uh, the tension with Jay Uso is just delicious, and uh, I went into this War Games match thinking like you know the the, the other shoe's going to drop you know somehow and. Mm-hmm. I was dead wrong. I mean, you know, I was I was a little upset at the moment, but you know, I understand why they did it because it feels like they're one of like dragons out even further. Um, it was a, it was a very very strong match. The storytelling was off the charts. You know, I mean, it's uh, between this between this war games match and the women's war games match. There, I mean, I feel like the men's match had stronger storytelling. And oh yeah. Lo- looking ahead to um, looking ahead to like you know um, Montreal. I mean. Owens and probably, I mean, I th- I'm thinking maybe uh, instead of like, you know, seeing, you know, Owens and Reigns again, because I don't know if Reigns is going to work Montreal. I don't know, but I could definitely, I could see a moment in the Royal Rumble match where, um, where Sammy couldn't make it to the final four. Cause I have no idea where Cody Rhodes is. is I don't have no idea where Cody Rhodes is going to stand, you know, come, come San Antonio, because I feel like, you know, he's an odds on favorite to win, but you know, the way this, this honorary story is going, I mean, that could very well, like, you know, turn the tide to like probably have uh, Sammy have a big performance at, in the Royal Rumble match. And mm-hmm. that could, and who knows? I mean, so, you know, we, we had what, um, Rollins bring up Cody. Um, Rollins doesn't have the championship, but like, could, could that be, uh, the immediate destination for, for, for Cody? I want to bring Ron's up for just a second. I mean, yeah, sure. and speaking of Seth for a second, the uh, the U.S. title triple threat overdelivered. I mean, like Austin Theory's image rehab continues. I mean, continues to grow. It continues, mm-hmm. and I feel like you know Seth and Bobby don't really need the title right now. I mean, they've done such a great like Lashley, especially has done such a great job of bringing that title back to prominence again. I feel like he's not going to be hurt by that, and neither will Seth. So I could see, I could definitely see, you know, you know WWE running back Seth and Roman and uh, San Antonio. Because you know the, the way the the way the finish happened this year, hmm. uh, they definitely left that on the table. 
And hmm. I can bet you Triple H is going to be very, very motivated to like you know redeem the Royal Rumble next year after we mm-hmm. after how it was received this year. And overall, um, I enjoyed the show. The woman, it was great seeing Becky Lynch, Becky Lynch again. And I was halfway expecting like you know uh, Alexa to turn, given the whole Wyatt Six thing. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, and that I don't know if that's a thing anymore. Like the 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 idea of Bray Wyatt having a whole faction. I mean, there's there's been no sort of indication of that on the TV. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I thought. I mean, I thought that was by design. Um, Ronda and Shotzi happened. It was whatever. I mean, it, it was very cool to see Shotzi in a good spot. And uh, AJ and Balor, AJ and Finn was on the same level as the one they had in uh, TLC 17, which I was just watched again, by the way, today. Hmm. It's on the same cool. level. All right. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much, Thanks Morgan, lot, for your Michael. thoughts. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of Seth Rollins as a potential Roman Reigns challenger for Rumble? Um. It, it- you could do it if if you have a reason. Like to, to me, Owens is the one that you have set up now coming right. out of tonight. And yeah, you could hold Owens off until February if you wanted. But I mean, that that to me was like one of the one of the very key spots on the show was like the stunner. And you've already been setting Owens up for going for for this rematch, so it does feel like Owens is front and center, um, and mm-hmm. Rollins would be secondary at this point. True. All right, our last call tonight goes to Brian. Brian, welcome to the show. Oh, man, I'm last. Okay. Uh, thanks again for the review, guys. Um, you already talked so much about the plan for, uh, you know, the potential plans for WrestleMania and who challenging reigns and, you know, the possibility for Z- – I'm not sure – I'm not too sure about the possibility of Zayn being in there, maybe Montreal. Uh, I do th- I do feel that it'll be when Reigns' title reign ends. And I'm still thinking it's Zayn Owens against the Usos at WrestleMania because I don't think he can do that in Montreal because of uh, one of the Usos with the DUIs. Um, but, yeah, uh, thumbs up show tonight. And, uh, yeah, I agree with a lot of your thoughts. And, uh, yeah, thanks again. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, that direction, you know, uh, is always on the table. I almost wonder if it's this, – this is bigger than that, though. Like – like I feel like like Sammy is so hot that it's it, it feels almost bigger than just a, a tag team challenge for, against the Usos, but you know that's that's an obvious direction we can go. Uh, all right, let's go to forum.postwrestling.com for some of your written feedback. John, would you like to start us off? We start off with Manny from Pacoima. What a masterpiece the finale of the men's war games was. Sammy has proven his loyalty to the tribal chief, turned on Owens, and fed him to Jay on a silver platter, thus creating the team of. Jamie Uso. I don't know if that one's going to stick. Jamie. Okay. Yeah, hmm. Maybe. The rest of the show was okay. Felt it was lacking a bit, and the triple threat was the match of the night. Where does the story of Sammy go from here now, and what role will he play at Chamber or the Rumble? Well, we have been discussing. Lots, lots of options of where you can go. A lot of places they can go, yeah. I'm curious to see, like, what, you know, they'll, they'll be celebrating Sami Zayn. Um like what? What sort of like? Um, sort of. It's also a long time until the Rumble. Like we're talking nine weeks. Right. Like that. That's a long time. What sort of role will Kevin Owens continue to play in all of this? You know, will Owens just just go back to Raw, or will he continue? I mean, if that means anything, uh, anyway. I, like, I think are, if you're building to Reigns and Owens, Owens should be on SmackDown for that buildup. Like the, we should not be doing this separate show stuff. Like you yeah. put the guy on the show of who he is programmed with to build that that up. Sami Zayn did what he did tonight, but is there still any sort of like hesitation within him? Um, is there still any sort of like, you know, remorse from him 
going forward or is he, is he fully, you know, committed to the bloodline from this point on? Uh, I'm there for it. You know, let's go to Kate from Montreal who says not for the first time. I let my expectations creep too high. The Sammy J moment at the end was excellent, but the rest of the show left me pretty cold. I thought Rollins Lashley theory was the best wrestling of the night. And I feel like Rollins has consistently had the best or second best match on every pay-per-view this year, except the weirdly curtailed fight pit with Riddle. Hey, listen, Seth Rollins is one of the best guys in the in the world, and I think he doesn't always get uh, enough credit. But you know, he's he's a tremendous performer, and I thought he I thought he showed it tonight. And he's had a very good year when you look at the uh, the, the Cody program, and you know where he has bounced around from like heel to babyface. But I I think he could be a top babyface on Raw, and I think he was the guy to me to really bring that 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 U.S. title up and. I think with theory, I think just he is seen at, at a level. So there, there's a lot of work to do uh, w- w- with theory, but they're probably going to keep these guys at least in the immediate on television uh, connected to each other based on the finish and how that was set up. Yeah. Brandon from Oshawa. I thought it was a solid show outside of the Ronda Shotzi match. Both war games matches were really good, especially the last few minutes of the men's match and the triple threat over delivered and was match of the night. I found the crowd to be really bad. as seems to be the case with many WWE shows, especially lately. Why do you think that is? It's like they pop for the bigger stars and they pop for some spots here and there. Otherwise they are dead. Um, I wouldn't say they were dead, but there were certainly moments like I think it really hurt the Shotzi match, but it was also not um, a great match either. It's not like we were watching the, this classic and wondering where's, where's the crowd for this. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's a lot of that. Like they were certainly weren't quiet for the Sami Zayn, you know, um, Roman inter- or Jey Uso interactions or those tables. Um, they were there for those tables or the tables. Yeah, I think this was a crowd that wanted to see important things, you know, whether that be a, a very big spot or a conclusion to a match or like, you know, something uh, involving some of their favorite characters. Um I didn't think they were particularly bad. I mean, I, I do kind of maybe raise the question of like how a WWE audience will react to a war games match. Um, first of all, without blood and also maybe, you know, the, the match beyond concept of, of like where 30 minutes goes by without any sort of like uh, result. Um, how do they, you know, w- w- is that something that they, they'll, they'll, they'll want to tinker with next year? But anyway. Let's go finally to Bill and Alex, who says the bloodline with Sami Zayn is one of the best storylines the WWE has done in a long time. They aren't hot shotting it and letting it live its own long storytelling form. If they can do that, they can surely find a way to do it with other wrestlers. I just watched the press conference with Paul Heyman and Sami Zayn seem to dip in and out of character. What's the goal with these press conferences? Further the storyline or answer legit questions from the wrestling press folks that are there. Um. These WWE shows, it is very much the uh, the former. It is character stuff, and that's that's what they are there for. I I haven't watched it at all, so I can't even speak of the uh, Survivor Series press conference. But I'm, I imagine, yeah, I, I'm curious to, to see how Sami Zayn, you know, performs at one of these press conferences. Um, I also don't necessarily know how much direction they're being given to either stay completely in character or to, um, I don't know, speak as yourselves. Last time I remember. You know, Gunther certainly felt more like authentic, even like um some of the other people that were on the show. I, I don't even remember that much anymore. But um it's they just kind of seem like, you know, playgrounds for them to either improvise or to answer uh questions earnestly. And and what's the intent to create more content? 
you know, to, to maybe get you on, on their online platforms to, um, uh, I don't know. Um, let's get numbers. All right. Well, there you have it. The Survivor Series press conference. Everyone can go check that out uh, afterwards, and then you can uh, report back to me. Wait, tell me how, how the press conference was. I'm I'm not sitting down to watch a WWE press conference. I'll watch uh, it. I mean, it's interesting. I'll be playing with my Beyblade while I watch it. Okay. Um, well, we'll enjoy that and your Coquito. Ooh, what an evening. I've what got a combination. All right. We're going to be back on Monday with Rewind a Raw. Again, Ask Away is coming up on Tuesday night for patrons. You can post uh, questions up at forum.postwrestling.com in the thread. And I also want to give a shout out, a big thank you to Neil Flanagan for covering uh, Survivor Series on the site, staying mm-hmm. up super late uh, tonight in, uh, in his time zone uh, to cover the show for us as well. So a big thank you to Neil. Our man, always doing a great job, along with all the other people that work at postwrestling.com. Karen Peterson's got uh, her latest uh, Dream Slam Weekly out there. Also a report from uh, her live attendance. Yes, at crossover yes. Show. Uh, several days later, but she was there live at the uh, Ariaki Arena. So a live report covering the historic crossover as well as uh, this week's Dream Slam Weekly. So a, a one-two punch from Karen Peterson. And one last time, store.postwrestling.com, 25% off of all t-shirts. If you enjoy our work or the work of our uh, uh, people that that make uh, podcasts on our show, consider picking up a shirt, either WrestleNomics or uh, the Longer Line and Royal Road or Post Perez, even Bushby and Thompson's Wrestling Adventure. Nate Milton's The Rocky Maivia Picture Show. You can pick up shirts from all of those, and the proceeds will be going to our uh, podcasters. Uh, so enjoy. That is it. Sunday, WrestleNomics Radio will be dropping on the site. Andrew Thompson will be on top of the news. And again, we will speak with you Monday night right after Raw. Good night.